before Dogecoin, I was working a nine to five. I was busting my ass. I was, you know, working a lot um, just for chump change, just, you know, for a little bit of money here and there. Um, but now kind of, kind of, I'll put it this way. Uh, the end goal was always, okay. Once, once the, the, the audience was getting created, once, once the, 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 I started getting a following the old, the, the end goal was how do I, how do I make a career out of this? I'm Patrick J. McGinnis, and I coined the term FOMO. That's short for fear of missing out, and it's why some people end up following the crowd when they should be blazing a trail of their own. But if you want to achieve greatness in business and life, you've got to break free. Come on, I'll show you how. This is FOMO Sapiens, where we explore how entrepreneurial thinkers find the inspiration and the courage to build exceptional lives. Welcome to FOMO Sapiens, the show for entrepreneurial thinkers. I'm your host, Patrick J. McGinnis, and today we are continuing our conversation with the star and the director of the movie, This Is Not Financial Advice. Now, if you haven't listened to last week, it's a good one. Go back and listen to it because we talked to Glauber Pro, Soto, and Chris Temple. They are the star and the director of This Is Not Financial Advice, a story about people who got caught up in the craziness of speculation, the Reddit, the GameStop, Wall Street bets, all that sort of stuff, and what happened and why they did it and how it all played out. Now, last week, we talked a lot about the why. What is the background story? How Pro got into the world of Dogecoin? And he's a super charismatic interview, so you'll see. I mean, he really tells the story in a compelling way from a place of real honesty, which I super appreciate. And Chris explained sort of the overall trends that he was seeing that compelled him to make this movie. Now we are moving on to the why. Why does it matter? And I think that's really important because if you don't learn from this stuff, and by the way, I don't think we've learned all that much for what it's worth. If you don't learn anything, (laughs) why do it? And so we're going to get into that today on the show. So I want to jump right in to that interview. Now we are picking up with Chris talking about where we left off, which is really like, why did this happen? And that transitions us into the, why does it matter? And what have we learned? All right. Enjoy. FOMO. So Chris, we ended last week's episode talking about the fact that why pro, you know, didn't do the traditional route he wasn't able to, he's not documented in the United States, couldn't get a traditional job and work his way up. He had to find a different way around. And that's really one of the themes of the film for me is that you have a system that is not serving everybody. And then there's an insurgent movement that's fueled by the internet and uh, investment products that are new that people can access really easily. And, you know, a low friction that people are using to find another way to try to jump up. That is a big theme of this movie. Why don't you talk about that, what you saw and what you were trying to tell about in this film? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you really nailed it with the comparison of when there isn't a ladder, people look for trampolines. And, um, you know, and I, Pro was one of hundreds of different people we interviewed for through the process of this film as we were doing research. And, and generally across the board, we've been seeing a very real and justifiable frustration with 
wealth inequality in this country with access to opportunities. I mean, you've got some stats like 90% of all stocks are owned by 10% of Americans. Um, you've got a lot of wage stagnation and income stagnation in this country while wealth has continued to accrue for the top 1%. I mean, I understand this frustration. Um, and when it feels like there aren't opportunities to move up through the middle class, why not take a larger financial risk? And you know, Morgan Housel talks in the film in an interview, he's the author of The Psychology of Money, um, he talks in the film about his, how it's often those with the least that take these biggest financial risks and compares the example of the lottery system in the, in the U.S. here, where you know, the people who are predominantly buying lottery tickets are those who have a very small amount of money, um, but are looking for a way out. Um, and, and that actually, sadly, ends up kind of being a tax on the poor um, and a tax on those who really need the most support. Um, and, and I do think you know, as crypto has continued to go through its cyclical waves of highs and lows, you know, oftentimes the people who have gotten hurt the most in the cycles where crypto really crashes are those who can't afford to lose um, the money that they have. And, uh, and I think that's been something that, you know, we've been talking about a lot through the film. And I hope that the film has an interesting conversation around is, is how do you, you know, deal with this double-edged sword of the democratization of money. And what I mean by that is it's amazing when you open up access to hundreds of millions of new people to get onboarded into the investor class, to be able to invest in stocks, invest in crypto, um, at the click of the button on their phone. But on the other hand of that, you know, if we don't keep up with financial education, if we don't put in some guardrails around consumer protections, um, people, including myself, uh, end up making a lot of mistakes that can really hurt them. Uh, and, you know, hopefully um, we can do better in the future. Yeah, it reminds me, I mean, you, when you were just speaking, I was thinking about Instagram because you see like the filter of, you know, it's like Instagram versus reality. And when it comes to a lot of this stuff, Wall Street bets, like nobody really, I mean, you, you don't know. You don't have like, maybe some people post their statements, I'm not sure, but a lot of people are talking S-H-I, you know what, about what's going on. And what was interesting about you, Pro, is that you are very transparent. I mean, you became, as you wrote up Dogecoin, you, you sort of, you built a media career around this where you were speaking directly to the community and you were, you were sharing what was going on and you were transparent about it, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And, and it was, you know, as I watched the film, you know, you're, you're writing up, it's getting to be life-changing money for anybody, anybody, not just, you know, not just you, but like literally most people would be like, wow, I'll sell out. And you had characters in the film, your friends, your family who really wanted you to sell and you did not, you would, you were like, no, I'm all in. Talk about where your head was at at that time. I feel like I had a greater mission, honestly. Um, you know, whether that was rooted in reality or not at the time, but uh, I felt like I had a, uh, it was a, it was like a greater mission, a, a, a bigger reason to kind of keep this going. Um, it seemed like a very monumental time in history uh, where it seemed like the money was shifting. Um, it, it was, it was a moment in time where the traditional ways of making money, keeping money, rich keep getting richer, poor stay, stay keep getting poor, uh, was changing. For the first time ever, it seemed like we were finally getting one little piece of an edge, right? And 
it just like the cause, like like it just everything just seemed so much bigger than me, so much bigger than this, you know, these uh, these three million dollars. It, it just seemed bigger than that. It's like, you know what? Are you going to run away now? You know what I mean? Are, are you going to pick up your money and literally disappear now? At the, at the most crucial moment in time where your voice matters. My voice mattered at the time. Uh, my mission mattered at the time. Kind of playing a role in this bigger stage mattered at the time. And so I, I feel like it, it, it was just so much greater than, than that, than, than my personal gain. It was so much greater than, than my personal increase in money in my bank. You know what I mean? It just, it just seemed like it, it meant more to show people that this can be the future. Show people that things can really change, and 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 we can really find a way to to to, to break out of this cycle that that we've been stuck in for so long. That's what it meant to me, and and that's why I, I held on. What if let's let, let me do like a counterfactual and say same series of events. You invest in Dogecoin, but no film crew, no social media, no community around it just you and your apartment all alone do you think you would have felt the same way because then the mission part is gone like how might have been played out i think i would have sold if it no if it doesn't matter nobody's looking it doesn't it doesn't matter nobody cares right nobody cares whether i have a million dollars in the bank or i don't uh having eyes on me having the pressure on me felt the need to play this noble role you know what i mean And, and 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 keep my promises and, and and tell people I believe in this and this is going to be the future. And and I, it's so hard for you to tell people I believe in this and this is going to be the future, but I, I don't believe in it enough to keep my money in it. Let me take my money, but this is the future though. But let me mm. be rich over here. And just for context, I mean, you'll see this in the film, but pro you were thrust into the limelight. I mean, yeah. you're on the front page of the New York Times, you're on the daily, you're on CNN, you're on CNBC, you, you're, you're getting hundreds of messages a day from people talking about your life, weighing in on you, criticizing you, congratulating you. I mean, immediately just thrown under this microscope that social media puts people under. And, um, and I could, you know, throughout the film, you're really wrestling with that role over the last couple of years of, what your responsibility is to that audience. Um, and it was, you know, I think I, I, it's very interesting to hear you say that if it wasn't for all the attention, maybe things would have, would have played out differently because I do think as much as this film is about money, it's about technology and it's about the role that social media has played in, in amplifying this collective sense of FOMO in, um, in the rise of new financial influencers and others who are encouraging and educating people online on, on TikTok and YouTube. You know, there's a recent stat that 79% of young people, their primary source of financial education is TikTok and YouTube. You know, that's, that's where people are going for information and, and, um, and that's elevating and putting even more pressure on someone like you, Pro, that people are now really doing and trusting you to, to tell them what to do with their money. I also wanted to feel like I was doing right by everyone too. Like, yeah. like having this limelight on me got a chance to show people who I was as a person, to show people my character, to show people that integrity matters, to show people that when, when, when you say you're going to do something, 
it means so much more that you do it no matter what the consequences are. You know, it, it, it just it just seemed like the right thing to do. And, and I wanted to be I wanted to do right by everyone. FOMO. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems or delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you improve efficiency by bringing all major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. And with rising prices everywhere you look, you got to do the math and save money. Good news. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. So head over to NetSuite.com slash FOMO. That's NetSuite.com slash FOMO. NetSuite.com slash FOMO. Tudo bem, meus queridos FOMO sapiens. Now that right there was Portuguese. And as you know, I love speaking foreign languages. But I'm not alone. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off that list with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Now, FOMO sapiens, you know I speak four languages, and it takes work to stay on top of them, especially with French. C'est difficile. But with Babbel, I'm able to practice practical conversations that I can actually use in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash FOMO. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash FOMO. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash FOMO. Rules and restrictions may apply. FOMO. It was one of the things that struck me when I saw the film was the pressure you were under. Number one, because these cryptocurrencies trade around the clock. So it's not like a conventional market, like five o'clock, you can go chill out. Like you can check it at three in the morning, four in the morning. It's always doing something. It doesn't stop. The pressure's always there. Number two is like, I, there's this really, this, I think my favorite scene in the film, which I think just captures 2022 or whatever year it was so well, which is when Elon Musk went on Saturday Night Live. And we have, you know, Pro is is watching the show and I think doing a live stream for your many followers because it's the big night for Doge and like Elon's going to come out and whatever he does, it's going to send it to the moon or whatever the heck was the thing. And uh, I remember my brother was really even into this at this point. He was texting me about yeah, it. Yeah, my like, mom was alone. watching at the but price then, of Dogecoin. <laughs> Oh my, every, it was insane. And then, you know, that doesn't go well and it starts to crash and we see that live. And then people start turning on you. Like people love nothing more than a little blood in the water. You know what I mean? Everybody loves to like come at you when you're down. When that happened and you were, I mean, you go from the, you know, just like up, 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 up and to the right. And then all of a sudden you're coming down the other side. Like what was that like for you? Well, it, it, it's so funny how it seemed like the entire thing went from a random investment mm. to a moral issue. Mm. <laughs> like, it became like it became like a moral thing. Like, yeah. like okay, do I do right by these people that follow me and listen to what I say and care about me as a person, my well-being? Uh, I thought 
you know, uh, or or do I just do whatever the hell I want and and I don't care about you guys? You know what I'm saying? It, it was it was it was, and it was a, a like nobody no one had ever experienced anything like that. It's it's almost like you're you're in like new waters, right? This is unprecedented times. Like we we don't know where this could potentially go. We've never been down this road before, so who knows what can happen, right? And and I feel like. I feel like, yeah, it, it was one of those things where, like I said, it became a moral issue. And I and I ultimately I wanted to make sure that I was mentally OK and I could go to sleep at night with whatever decision it was that I chose to do. So that's why ultimately I didn't know. So what do I do? I I follow what. I follow what is in my heart. I follow this is how I feel I should do and what I should do. And I can go to sleep at night with this decision that I made that could benefit a ton of people, even if I'm the one that's caught in the rain, right? Like even if I'm the one that gets the short end of the stick, at least all these other people are okay. It's, it's weird, man. It's I'm, Well, it's I'm the first even... time I could think of that an investment product became ideological, yeah. if you think about it. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I think I could, I could, you know, watch it in real time about and just see how emotional and visceral money is. Right. And I think that's, again, like what, why I think this film is really about the psychology of money is that, you know, when you're in it and you don't know when to sell, you don't know when to buy, you're, you're tying your self-worth to what you're doing with your money. You're comparing yourself to others. You're thinking about the values and the moral decision you're making around money. I mean, all of these things are factors that everybody is thinking about on a day-to-day -day basis that they do with their money. And, you know, while pro's case might be more extreme than what you, some of your listeners might be willing to do with their money and Dogecoin is an extreme case, um, you know, I think the lessons really, really still apply. And I know I've learned a lot through the process of making this. Nobody else seems to have though, because they're all just doing the same thing with AI, but you know, it's like, there's always a new one. Like we should start an AI coin like tomorrow and then we could use your, We could, oh God, I'm always the last one. So let's talk yeah, about- jump so, in. It's never too late, right? No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> until it is. So pro, you're, you never sold and then Doge went from, uh, I don't think it, did it hit a buck in the end? Like a buck eight or something? Okay. Never hit it all, but it went way up. You rode your investment, you know, up to about 3 million and then it went down and you never sold. And so your current holdings are worth- of Dogecoin? Yeah. Um, well, well, I've also purchased more. Oh, so the amount that I have okay. isn't, yeah, I continue to buy more and more and more and more. So ultimately around that time, I had roughly 3 million Dogecoin. Yeah. yeah. And now I've, since I've continued buying over the past two years, I've accumulated, uh, I'm at 5 million now, Dogecoin. So what's that worth right now? What What's the price of Dogecoin right now? Uh, a little over 400000 And what's crazy is, you know, that still doubled your initial investment. Yeah. I mean, do you ever think now about just pulling it out or you're, you're trying to wait for the next the next write-up? You, you, saw, you saw what it felt like to have $3 million and you want to get back there? At this point, I feel like it means more <laughs> to the world if I just continue to hold it. <laughs> or to anyone who's, you know, ever watched my journey. <laughs> So what's interesting about this and what you see in the film is that you have folks that even if they didn't make the money on the investment, they became influencers. Yeah. 
And you now, you know, you have become, uh, you know, well-known, you have deals with different companies. Like how did this experience as we come forward now? Yeah. Okay. So the money ran up, the money ran down. You didn't sell. Obviously you're doing other things. You're investing. This is who you are as a person, but talk about what, like who you are today, you know, where, where is pro today? I feel like I'm one in a much better place than I was three years ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, like before Dogecoin, I was working a nine to five. I was busting my ass. I was, you know, working a lot um, just for chump change, just, you know, for a little bit of money here and there. Um, but now kind of kind of I'll put it this way. The end goal was always OK. Once once the 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 audience was getting created, once the the the, the I started getting a following the old, the the end goal was how do i how do i make a career out of this how how can i uh generate money by being in this position right um because i didn't know where dogecoin was going to go i can't see the future of dogecoin no matter what i believe i don't know what ultimately can happen what so i can't control that right what i can control is how I play my cards moving in the future so I can make a living from being either this Dogecoin millionaire guy or just being in crypto in general or uh, having a bunch of followers or being this influencer, right? Um, how, how can I can control that. I can control how hard I work. I can control how much I engage with these people. I can control how to... Uh, how I continue to gain a following over the years. So I can't control how I make this a business. I can't control the price of Dogecoin. And so I feel like that kind of ultimately became the end goal once I started getting a following. FOMO. FOMO. Chris, where do you think we are today? You know, it feels like, as I, we were just joking about AI, I mean, it's different because, but, but, there was, after Doge, there were NFTs, or I guess maybe around the same time. I can't even keep it. It was, it was all happening. And then the, the market retracted. But, you know, like Bitcoin's back up. I mean, there's, and Bitcoin is different, of course, you know, but it's, again, there's a lot of people who believe in it, some who don't. And so, but like, it feels like our, like the, the, the root cause of, of what we're seeing here, whether you think it's good or bad, the drivers of this, which are, income inequality, which are lack of faith in institutions, which is technology, which is um, the sort of gamification of investment products, like all this stuff, it's it's only becoming more entrenched and stronger. So, you know, Chris, I, I like I say you're going to win the Oscar for this film. You should. And then um, you they, they, they tell you we, we want you to make this is not financial advice too. Uh, what what is that film about? I think the same thing happens again. I think it's a different product. I think the cycles continue. And, and I, um, as part of why we wanted this film just to cover multiple years of time, because you have to see the cyclical nature of these markets and, and understand, as you just said, the core factors and systemically of why this speculation has been happening or the, is are they're all still there. And, you know, I don't judge Pro at all for the decisions he made. I don't judge any of the characters in the film. Again, I got really caught up into um, into making certain financial, riskier financial decisions on crypto than I probably should have. 
Um, and, you know, we'll have to see from here how much did I and the rest of the world learn from their first journey uh, in foray into markets. Um, but I, I do have fear that all we have for 2024 and as we move forward is all of the same ingredients as interest rates start to lower and momentum starts to build back up um, that you'll see very similar speculative behavior. Um, except this time around, you've got, you know, four out of 10 Americans now have traded crypto. Um, you know, the accounts are already created. It's very easy to move quickly. My mom texted me about how her Ethereum price was back up uh, a couple weeks ago. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, how are, how are, why are you watching your Ethereum price? Um, and, you know, and so it's the old adage that, you know, when the, uh, your shoe shine boy starts telling you about mm. stock picks, then like, it's a bubble again. And I think we'll always see bubbles, whether it's crypto or AI or whatever it is. And I, and I just hope that seeing the full spectrum of this film and pro's experience will help people understand and just take that pause for a second of, oh, maybe this is short term. And like, do I need to get rich tomorrow? Or actually, could I look at how to generate wealth longer term? Um, do I want to be really emotionally attached to my investment? And do I is this a little too fun or maybe should it be a bit more boring? Or do I want to diversify? I mean, I think, uh, you know, I think about friends of mine who owned a little bit of Doge or, or a crypto, sort of fun cryptocurrencies that were like, that had emotional components to them. And they they loved it, but they weren't all in. I mean, it is, that is a specific move, right? And and yeah. um, so, so it, I, as I watch this stuff. No, like I haven't sold my crypto. Yeah, it, stresses, totally it. it stresses me out because I, I don't want to, I don't want to watch everybody make money, but me, that's why I hate going to casinos. And so it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like, put a percentage into the stuff that is higher risk so that you feel the upside so you don't feel left out. I call, I like to, I'm coming up with, is it, I'm coining a term right here for you guys. Ready? New term. I've been thinking about it, but I'm going to put it out here today. Enlightened FOMO. It's like, I recognize my FOMO is getting me to do this, but I'm going to do it in a way that like feels okay and is risk mitigated. Enlightened FOMO. Yeah. Enlightened FOMO. Boom. I mean, I feel like that's what I'm trying to do right now. I have a small amount of my money in crypto because I have a lot of fun with it and I wanna I wanna be a part of the community and I and I like the feeling when it goes up. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Now I, I we're gonna we're gonna move on now to lightning round because you know, I wanna hear what you guys have to say. So we have four questions here. I'm gonna uh, each time I'm gonna have Pro go first, then we're gonna have Chris answer second. Quick answers right at the top of your head. You ready to go? All right, yeah. okay. lightning round. Yeah. Number one, what is a favorite quote? Uh, uh, scared money don't make no money. Scared money don't make no money. Love that, Chris. Um, don't give in to FOMO. <laughs> oh wow, I'm going to charge you for that one. Number two, well, my favorite author, name, Patrick McGinnis. <laughs> name a book or podcast every FOMO sapien should know about. The Daily. The Daily. Uh, I would say the the psychology of money by Morgan Housel, a book that you know really changed the way I thought about money and comparing yeah. myself to others. It's an excellent book. It's so true. Number three, this is the question you've been waiting for, bro. What's a piece of advice you give to your younger self? Buy Bitcoin. Buy Bitcoin in twenty ten. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Chris, just do what you love and don't stress so much. Hmm. Number four, and the final one. What's your most important memory? Uh, becoming a millionaire mm -hmm. overnight. Pretty good one. 
<laughs> Great. Yeah. Um, my future memory I want is when I become a millionaire. Now, uh, I mean, I, I, I think for me, some of the, high, the the best moments are when you finish these films and you've captured a story that you hope will live on forever. And, you know, that's the beauty of art, right? We, you create something that is, you know, hopefully affects millions of people. And I, you know, I hope a lot of people will go watch this movie on Apple and Amazon and share it with their friends, gift it to people who are interested in money or want to learn about this space. And, um, you know, that's really, it's so rewarding to make something. Chris, your dog is really trying to, trying to be the star yeah, of the show. Yeah, my Shiba Inu dog in the background. <laughs> no, I'll tell you, I'm going to share, I don't usually do this, but I will share my two favorite memories that have to do with this film. The first is, so I I was out in California and I filmed one day with, with Chris and, and the team and it was super fun and interesting. And then he sent me a trailer, or, or sorry, a screener. And I watched it. And I had been that night at, a, at an event and I met this woman who's a Bloomberg reporter, Bloomberg TV, Caroline Hyde. So I'm watching the movie and right in there, Caroline is in the movie interviewing Kayla Kilbride, who's another character in the film. And I was like, this is crazy. Like I met this woman 15 minutes ago and now she's in the, and so I took a screenshot and texted her and was like, you're in this movie. Did you, you know, so that was insane. She was so happy. Uh, that was like, that just felt like I was like, this is meant to be like, this is weird. It's got some like, there's something supernatural happening here. The second is the terrible one is that Chris and Zach, who, uh, you know, they, they, they made this movie together. They sent me a, uh, a new updated version of the film. To, they were like, we want you to see the film, see what you think of the new draft. So I was at the Apple store and uh, I was getting my, my uh, phone fixed. I had my computer and I'm watching the screener while I'm waiting. And I'm, uh, of course, I'm trying to find me. <laughs> and so I can't find myself and I'm like trying to get, I get home and I realize I've been cut out. So I text Chris. I'm like, Hey, I think, you know, I'm not in this version. He said, yeah, we made some changes. Sorry. We had to cut. We may put you back. We don't know. And I was like, that's such a bummer. Cause I was so excited because the film is so exciting. And I was like, Oh man, like how, this is your, don't give me FOMO. Like this is not nice to do to me. <laughs> and so I woke up what, in the middle of the night and I emailed the two of them and I was like, I think the movie's great, but I won't be able to watch it because I have too much FOMO if I see it. And I and I, then I realized I'm a lunatic. So, Chris, thank you for putting me back in. Also, not having uh, somebody, you know, come after and, uh, you know, put put some sort of like restraining order on me. I mean, it's one of the hard, it's one of the hardest parts of the film is, you know, we, so many people shared their their stories, their expertise, their time with us to make this film possible. I mean, there's hundreds of people who worked on it, hundreds of people who talked to me and. Um, and it's so brutal because it's just a 90 minute film and I can't include everything. And it's one of the worst parts of being a filmmaker. But um, we did about, you know, 60 to 70 versions of this film, I'd say. And and uh, I was really happy you you got a starring role in the final and, and just so appreciative of all the perspective you you gave us for the film. Was that because I threatened you? Is that why? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I was saying. Is that why you put I'm it back just, in? I'm just <laughs> terrified of this guy. Uh, so I had to do it. Yeah. All right, so the film is called This Is Not Financial Advice. You can get it now on Apple. Go pick it up. It is out and other places. If you want to find out more, go to uh, on Instagram and other socials. You can find Tinfa Film made by Optimus. So you can find at Optimus. If you want to learn more about Pro, you can find him at, at Pro The Doge. If you want to find out more about Chris, you can find him at Chris Temple. 
Pro Contesoto and Chris Temple, star and director of This Is Not Financial Advice. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks. Yeah, this was super fun. Thanks, Patrick. FOMO. If you like today's show, please be sure to rate it and recommend it to your friends. And as always, you can find me on Instagram at Patrick J. McGinnis, on Twitter at PJ McGinnis, and on the web at FOMOSapiens.com or PatrickMcGinnis.com, where you can get all kinds of free resources to live a more decisive and entrepreneurial life. FOMO Sapiens is recorded in New York City. Theme music is by Mike McGinnis, and editing and post-production is by Josh Elstro. If you like today's show, please be sure to rate it and recommend it to your friends. And as always, you can find me at FOMOSapiens.com and at PatrickMcGinnis.com. To advertise on FOMO Sapiens, reach out to contact at FOMOSapiens.com.